Hello and welcome to episode 36 of Fitness Unfiltered, the first one of 2021. Uh, my name is Jocelyn Thompson Rule, and today I speak with the incredible Mary Huckle. Now, Mary is a wellness coach. She's been in the fitness industry for 16 years. She has many, 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 many strings to her bow. We talk about how she got into the fitness industry after many years in finance, working in the city, how she adapted her business last year in 2020, the year we will never forget that affected the fitness industry, of course, a lot and continues to do so into 2021 with the coronavirus. And then we also discuss Mary living with secondary breast cancer. It is something that affects her life, of course, in a big, big way. It taught me so much just sitting and listening to Mary about how little I know about cancer, but also how much I take life for granted. And so my heart is still incredibly full uh, after this conversation. Mary is a phenomenal and an absolute light. So I hope you enjoy the show as ever. If you do, please leave a review on iTunes and see you soon. Mary, welcome, welcome, welcome to the show. It is so, so good to have you on. I cannot tell you. So for the listeners at home, would you please introduce yourself? Thank you, Jocelyn. So I'm Mary, Mary Huckle from um, Enfield in North London, and I'm a personal trainer or a wellness coach. I think it always sounds a lot nicer than personal trainer and a Pilates instructor. And yeah, I'm married with three grown up children. And I suppose I should mention that I'm living with secondary breast cancer. Thank you, Mary. And so I don't know how we actually, I feel like we met maybe through Karen. Yes, we did. Through the lovely Is Karen. Right? Yes. Through the lovely Karen, who I love so much, which I think I want to say it was maybe a few years ago, potentially, maybe longer. I'm not sure. Obviously, it feels like we kind of lost a year last year in 2020, where time just had its own <laughs> agenda. Uh-huh. So now when I try and think back of when certain things happened, I'm like, yeah, that could have been last year. I, I have no idea. There's this blip in time now since 2020. But I'm so grateful for that. I'm so grateful that Karen um, introduced us. And of course, um, you spoke at the Women in Fitness Summit in 2019 because I didn't run it last year because of the pandemic. So, um, so Mary, tell me first of all about your work in fitness. I like that that you call yourself a wellness coach because yeah, sometimes PT just sounds a little bit like, I don't know, it puts an image in people's heads, doesn't it? And it's like, well, you know, so tell me a little bit about that. How did you start and where are you now with it? How long have you been into it? Yeah. And we'll go from there. Okay. Well, I suppose I should really take you right back to when I left school. And I, although I've always had, you know, a a passion for anything health and fitness related, you know, at school, I was the girl who loved PE. (laughs) Or, you know, most of my peers hated it and would do anything to get out of it. But myself and uh, my group of friends, we, we really liked it. We loved it. And we were the ones that were in the school teams, that sort of thing. You know, our, I suppose our forte was netball um, at school. And, yeah, so leaving school, I had a dream. I had an ambition, but I went into banking and finance. Boring. <laughs> but it was the safest, I suppose, at that time in my life. It just felt like it was the easiest option, you know, to start work, get some money behind me, that sort of thing. I, I ended up working in the city for 12 years. Um, and I had a really nice job. It was a, a, a relationship manager for French, Spanish and Italian banks for Barclays International. So it was a really nice job. But, you know, and I think by the time I'd left, we'd already had Robert, my my oldest, or my eldest son. And then I had a break, had the twins and then went back into finance 
um, into the finance world, but into a local finance house. And I was there for six years. And then we were all made redundant. Basically, that the company moved away to Bolton. And I thought, okay, I'm not going to Bolton. We had three kids. And I just saw that as my opportunity to retrain and do something that I really wanted to do. You know, I'd always gone to like leisure centres and done classes. We'd always been like runners with my with my sisters and we'd always like, you know, just just always we'd always done done something to just to keep fit. That is just who we were. So anyway, so I just took this opportunity to retrain and I w- went to the YMCA, did all my exams there. You know, exercise to music was the very, very first thing that I did. Don't we all do that one? <laughs> exercise to music. Um, that's how we all start. And, you know, swiftly after that, got into, you know, organising my own classes, um, doing sort of like the um, legs, bums and tums stuff, all of that. And then I just took it a step further, did all my PT modules with the YMCA, you know, loved learning the new stuff and just doing what I really wanted to do for the first time in my life. And I think I I was in my late 30s at this point. But I thought, you know, you're never never too old to do any of this stuff. It's never too late. And although it was quite financially, exactly, financially for us as a family, it was actually quite difficult you know, me sort of like spending thousands of pounds on all this like retraining and, you know, sort of a husband holding the fort, so to speak, and doing all my learning at night and all my studying at night once the kids were in bed and at the weekend. Yeah, I know, I know those times, Mary. <laughs> how old were the kids at this stage? How old were the twins? So the twins were, I would, oh God, I'm trying to think back now. They must have been about, I don't know, six. No, maybe like younger than that actually as well, five, six, something like that. They were still quite young, you know. So um, even Robert was quite young, and you know he was still sort of like you know wanting help with homework, that sort of thing. But but I was so I just wanted to get on with it. I just wanted to do it. It was like it was my you know it was a lifelong um, ambition of mine. So I just got on with it and just got through all the exams. So and basically I just I. I qualified, I think it was about 2004, something like that, as a PT, and 2005 maybe. But yeah, 2005, that's it. I'm remembering the dates now. And uh, yeah, and then that was it. I went to work in a gym for a few months and I absolutely hated it. <laughs> I thought, oh, hang on a minute, I'm a, I'm, I've got all these qualifications and I'm cleaning machines. You know, that's not right. I'm not, I can't be doing that. That's not how I want to um, impart my knowledge. So I thought I've got to go, I've just got to just carry on doing stuff on my own, freelancing. And that's what I did. And so it's, it's been from, you know, since 2005 that I've been doing personal training and, and you know, and doing all other classes, circuits and outdoor fitness um, teaching. I also went on to do, you know, kids fitness and, pre and postnatal so then I sort of like had more strings to my bow I was teaching kids in primary schools as well I love that I love doing that as well you know having all these little kids literally hanging off of you like you know admiring what you do and just like oh my god you know I'm really enjoying this and it was just such a lovely time um yeah so that's that's how I got into it and that's how long I've been doing it <laughs> yeah wow amazing so nearly I guess six it'll be 16 17 years now yeah, this year yeah yeah, yeah. so yeah, I, I, yeah. the kids fitness was like for a few years I don't do that anymore I started up a running club as well I did that for a few years but I don't do that anymore yes yeah, so for reasons I'll explain perhaps later on this evening and- but yeah what sorry, I also Mom. love no no you're fine what I also love is that you you know, you had this, you know, career for well, what I guess nearly what 15, 16, 17 years before you decided to move into, you know, fitness, um, particularly when the kids were young. And, you know, and, and as you say, like, you know, you were outlaying all of this money on courses and qualifications and everything else. You know, I do hear a lot from people in their 30s, people in their 40s, just saying, you know, Am I, I mean, am I just kidding myself trying to get into, you know, this now at this at this age? Am I too old? Am I? 
And I'm always just like, like, <laughs> never, absolutely not. It's not just, you know, a game for people in their, you know, early 20s or whatever. Like it's, it's, it's something to get into at whatever age you decide you want to do that you know and so it's just fantastic that you that you did the, do that and you're still doing it and you know showing showing people exactly that I mean I'm sure you've had you know um women or men approach you asking you you know really is it you know is it too late for me to to change my career or whatever and you're like hell no just no, it. just go for it definitely yeah, yeah. It's never too late, really. And I, you know, you do, and you do hear of people in their, in their 50s and 60s, even in their 70s have done this. You know, it's like, it just sounds a bit crazy, but, you know, where there's a will, there's a way. And if you've got that inclination and you've got, you know, you're quite fit and healthy, then definitely just go for it. Definitely. Why not? I mean, it's all about helping people, isn't it? And just, you know, just like, just enriching people's lives and just imparting skills and knowledge. And, and and that's how I saw it as well. It was never like an ego thing. It was always about helping others. And and I, I, I've been to so many classes at the leisure centre, and I could and I, I saw people just come along week in week out doing the same old thing. And I'm thinking, you know, gosh, it's like you know you you and, and actually and people will and it's when and when somebody approached me one one day after a class that I did, and you know she was like. You know, I can see you. You're, you know, you're coming to these classes every week. You're, you're actually getting fitter and you're getting healthier. I can see that. And this lady, she wasn't like she, you know, she wanted to lose weight. She just wasn't losing weight. And I was like, oh, have you done? Have you tried this? Have you tried that? Have you like? And I was like, I can do that. I can do what that what that instructor's doing. You know, it's just yeah. It's just I just knew that I just I could you know I could help other people reach their fitness goals whatever they might be and it's never always about losing weight as we know it's very much the long game and you know changing people's lifestyles and perceptions and it's never about just losing weight or it's so much more than that it's so so yeah it is it's such a I guess there's there's two things like you know for you as you say you were always active you 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 were one of the you know few people (laughs) who liked, you know, PE and have always done it. So, you know, what a natural progression for you to become a PT or, you know, a wellness coach. But also, you're so right. It's, it is it is about so much more than, you know, weight loss. And and I know that, you know, as much as, as we as coaches try to obviously get people to see, you know, beyond that, beyond the scales, beyond the you know, the clothing size that they desire. That that is the you know, one of the most common things that people will come to us for. You know, that's that's what the reality is. They want to lose a little bit of weight, they want to look better, feel better, whatever. But the delight for us is to go, okay, so these are your goals. And of course we're looking, you know, a little bit deeper into those and and you know what their their real reasons are behind the weight loss or whatever. But the beauty is then getting them to kind of rediscover their bodies, you know, these, you know, incredible vessels that they live inside and to go on that journey and to get to know themselves, right? Because people are so disassociated from their own bodies. And then we get to come in and go, okay, cool. That's great that you've got that goal. But the bits in between getting you to where you want to get to, that's where that's where the magic is. And that's where we really, you know, get to kind of get people back in touch with themselves and what their bodies are telling them and and, and all of that. So it's just it, it, it's always just so much more than the movement and the sets and the reps. And, you know, it's it's way, way bigger than that. Yeah, definitely. Um, mm hmm. It's like a journey of self-discovery, isn't it, for for our clients? And it's like you know you have you have like eureka, well they have eureka moments, don't they? You know, they're like yes, the penny's dropped. You know, it's the jigsaw puzzle is like is you know the the pieces have fallen into place. And and I think if we can sort of like just if we can you know I've always said if I can help somebody you know, and it changes their life in the way that the, you know, I don't have to keep holding their hand 
and training them week in, week out, week in, week out. You know, it's when they go off on their own. It's like having, you know, it's like having a kid and they've, they're growing up and they're learning from you. But then it's like, you know, you see them grown and, they, and they're, they're off and they're, you know, and it's lovely to, and I still get like, you know, messages now from people that came to the running club, for example, because when I started the running club, it was very much a case of like, I don't want runners. I want people that are literally on their couches that are on their sofas and they are, don't want to get off their sofas. They're the ones that I want. And that's what I did. I started up the running club, you know, and we had, I had complete beginners. And I remember the day quite vividly. It was a very icy January day. It was a Sunday. And I, and I think I had, I had about 26 people turn up and they were all complete beginners. And it was just crazy, but wonderful at the same time. And uh, just to see those people grow was just uh, incredible. And then by the time June came along, you know, we all did race for life together, and you know, were the ladies that the, the girls did at that time. There were no men allowed for race for life, but it was just such a. Oh, it just, I mean, it really did give me a buzz, a big buzz. You know, doing that sort of thing. It's like, where are they? Give me those people that don't want to bloody run. I'll make them run. <laughs> it was like, and we just they, they just count to five k. You know, so that's um, they're the people that really interest me. Actually, the ones that just and then you sort of like just slowly but surely just turn them around and just make them realize what their bodies are actually capable of Mm. and there's there's this big divide isn't there because there are so many more people who are like that whether it's, it's either you know a bad experience you know in PE or they think exercise isn't for them or they don't feel like they you know are you know sporty and inverted commas like it's it's you're absolutely right it's those people that you want to just you know yeah just draw draw out their potential yeah and it's and and you know it is this really slow but wonderful process and it should be slow because it, it, you know it, should, it has to be as well to build the foundations and get the confidence in themselves and in their movement what their body's capabilities are and it's it's quite interesting because then you'll have like that group of people and then you have coaches who are then worried that if they do slow things down, if they do focus on, say, more strength stuff or mobility stuff or, you know, gentle, sort of more gentle movement practices instead of the sweaty stuff, the, you know, high intensity stuff, they're worried that people aren't going to enjoy it as much or they're not going to feel like they've had a good workout. And it's like there's this massive gap. And actually, if we can close that gap between, hey, coaches, listen, you can slow everything down and you can educate people about their bodies. And hey, everybody who is worried that they're they're not the right person for movement, there is so much that you can you can do so it's just it's so bizarre that like you know on the one hand coaches are worried about slowing things down and then on the other hand there are people who are like oh yeah no no no, that fitness isn't that fitness thing isn't for me like the 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 kind of faster more intense stuff and there's like this huge gaping hole in between where it's like hey everyone how about we try being here and you know seeing seeing what that's you know what that's like so it's yeah it's always just such a you know such an interesting journey and such an interesting thing to you know to observe you know in people in coaches and so on and so forth so moving on to um more of last year how did obviously you know the fitness industry you know was and continues to be hugely impacted by lockdown by obviously you know um, because of covid and there's been lots of you know pivoting and adapting and all of these different things what was that like for you how did it affect your business how we're still obviously in lockdown now we're in the what the third week in january i want to say how has that affected things for you as a coach sort of in the last i guess nine to twelve months so i think when we first heard about the possibility of lockdown um I suppose in a way I was oh god not not looking forward to going online but 
it was it, it going online has been something that I've always wanted to do for a long, long time for actually quite a few years. Because I've been contacted quite a few times about breast cancer and exercise over the years, it's always been something that's been, you know, played on my mind. I've sort of like turned people down in the past because it's like, hey, you live in Scotland, you know, I'm in London, how's this going to work? You know, and I've never really trusted technology. I'm not going to lie. I've, I've always hated the thought of going online and then just like, you know, being thrown out of your class or, you know, being thrown off the internet, whatever, you know, it's that sort of, you know, not like, not um, not as far as being a technophobe, but just like thinking it's not, how's it going to work? You know, it's not really going to work. So, so in a way I was like quite looking forward to like maybe sort of like experimenting with this like online Zoom stuff. Then I got, then I basically got COVID and then I had to recover from that. And I felt like I was really late to the party. So all my, you know, fitness colleagues, all my colleagues in the fitness world were getting on Zoom, getting online, doing this, doing that. And I was like, oh, my God, I need to get I need to get on with this, you know. So I felt quite frustrated, actually, at the beginning. Because I just felt like I needed to like know what I was doing. I'm, you know, I've, I hate to admit it, I don't really like to call myself a perfectionist because I, I, I have been in the past and it's actually stopped me from doing stuff because I just think I try to get things really right. I, you know, I've horrible way to be horrible. Don't it's just yeah, like the don't, worst. Don't, I'm a recovering one. Don't yeah. worry. Oh good. <laughs> There's I, danger of a relapse oh, anytime don't, soon. <laughs> geez, don't, don't, I'm like I must be like you, Jocelyn. I am absolutely. I hate it. But anyway, so yeah, yeah. I still have those tendencies a little bit there. Um, don't mention the word relapse because that's just scary. But um, yeah, so. I got I got into it and I suppose it was it was great. I mean I, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna lie because you know I was teaching classes in in like studios and whatever and you know to go from those big numbers to then going on to Zoom it was like oh my gosh where are my clients <laughs> you know what's happening you know and it's like I know now that not everybody likes to do stuff online you know that's the way it is. And that was quite difficult to accept. So although I've, you know, maybe, I don't like to say I've lost clients because they are still there in the background somewhere. But, you know, although I sort of like didn't actually, you know, bring all my clients with me onto Zoom, I've gained loads more because online, the world is your oyster. You know, you literally can go, you know, the, the, the length and breadth of the UK and abroad with Zoom, with being online. And which is what I wanted to do, like even years ago, but never really had the, I suppose, the knowledge and everything else to go with it. So, yeah, it's um, it's been difficult, and I've had like a few technical things. I think, oh my god, what what is going on? <laughs> I have, I have those like weekly, Mary. <laughs> so, <laughs> it's like, it's like it is oh, what god. it is, but you know, yeah. I think I think that's I think point at which I turned from a perfectionist into just like you just know, what? It. <laughs> <laughs> it was maybe about yeah, it was about four years ago, and then I just realised, you know what, something always gives. And so now I, no matter what, like, even if it, if it's a tech thing, if there's whatever, no sound, if an email hasn't gone or whatever, I'm just like, you know what? It is what it is. Whereas before I would have been like, oh my God. <laughs> um, so I've just learned to go, you know what? It's, it's go all fine. It's just, it go with the flow and, you know, just kind of laugh it off. Um, yeah. or whatever but that's great though so it kind of forced you into yeah, doing exactly. what you had intended to do yeah so I forced my hand definitely yeah but it, was, it was particularly frustrating for me because when I had COVID obviously you got to, you got to isolate and your family's got to isolate blah 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 and then of course all the stuff came out of being the extremely clinical vulnerable so that also was another little spanner in the works for me because I just really was you know, stuck at home. I couldn't really even go out anywhere because being on chemotherapy, you can't really keep venturing out and doing doing your thing when you've got to be really careful. Yeah, so it was all, it was all very, it was all very, very bizarre, very frustrating at times, but also very 
like quite enlightening and 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 you know I've, I've had moments of like oh my god I'm actually you know we're, I'm doing this it's good it's good it's a good thing and just trying to stay positive about everything you know it's it, that's that's it's been quite hard but I'm I'm enjoying it you know I you know there are things I would say that I'm not enjoying about being on Zoom I do I do miss you know the the interaction with a real person in front of me um I miss the camaraderie of group exercise um I do miss that I'm not going to lie um but I just think you know I've got to be careful I can't really take risks you know and I when I'm teaching a class of like 25 people who you know, may have been out and about and they've also been in contact with like hundreds of other people. The risk of me, you know, whatever is quite high and I just can't afford to come off treatment again. So it's a little bit, it's a bit sweet story for me, really. But, you know, I'm staying positive. I've set up, um, you know, a, a Pilates for cancer class as well. So, you know, it's it's little things like that, those little nuggets of like, yes, I'm doing something that's helping others again in a different way. Another string to my bow, like, you know, just go for it onwards and upwards. So, yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, wonderful. so, Mary, so you've got secondary breast cancer. When were you when were you diagnosed and was it at that stage when you were diagnosed? So I was diagnosed in um, August 2007. I was diagnosed with primary. It was primary at the time and it was it was it was a, it was a grade three. It was stage one. So it was early, but it was a, a grade three diagnosis, which means it's it's quite aggressive. Well, not quite aggressive. It's aggressive. <laughs> Let's not mince our words. Um, and yeah. then basically, I just went. You know, I went. I went, had to have all the works, and I had a mastectomy. I had all my lymph nodes taken out of my right side as well. Yeah, that was quite difficult trying to get the range of movement back in my shoulder. But and then I and then I had six months of chemotherapy. I suppose that one of the other things I had to sort of like deal with was the fact that I had to give up my business for about one and a half years. And I didn't want to because I worked really hard to build it up, you know, to a point where I was so busy with it, so busy. And I was so fit and so healthy. didn't understand why I'd been diagnosed. I didn't smoke. I didn't drink. I was probably at the fittest I was ever ever in my life at that time, Uh, you know, by the time I got to age. So... You know, giving up my business was just awful. That was like, but you know, but but my business and my work, you know, not just it wasn't my only focus. Of course, my family were the the most were, were the thing that I thought about the most to get back on track and to get over this like you know blip in my life. But it, but my business and my clients were such a big drive for me to get back to being fit and healthy again. You know, so that's where I was. That's where I was. And I was, I was, I, I say I was cancer free for seven years. And I rebuilt my business and I just got back on track with it all. And I became, and I was fit and healthy again. As far as I was concerned, that was it. It was just a glitch in my life. It was like a year and a half out of my life book. But now I was back on track and I was like, you know, yeah, I'd like we just got, got on with things again. You know, it was just I my business had evolved. I also qualified as a Pilates instructor as well, which really helped my recovery. I'm not going to um, I'm not even going to beat around the bush. And doing Pilates also just helped me so much. It really it really enhanced my PT training and a lot of the stuff I learned in my Pilates, I wished I'd known beforehand before I did my PT stuff because it gave me so much more body awareness as well. And I think nowadays there is a, there is a lot more about, you know, your core and what it's capable of and what it does and its functions and, and all this and all that. 
but when I did all my PT work, we just we just sort of literally just sort of like, you know, we just touched the surface. We just just literally brushed, you know, the outer edges. It wasn't there was nothing really deep and meaningful about core work and about core strength. And yeah, I learned so much doing Pilates. But you know, and that and that also, you know, the breast cancer and the Pilates and the PT, all of that stuff combined. I went into, you know, training, you know, women that had had breast cancer that were going through treatment, you know, post-treatment. And, and that, again, so satisfying for me to help, you know, ladies in that position. And it was like, yes, you can get back on track. And yes, you can go back to training. And depending on what treatment you have, you can do this and you can't do that. And, you know, so it was, yeah, it was just a real learning curve but at the same time very exciting and I did that for seven years and I was carefree again although I had scars you know to prove otherwise you know I I had side effects or whatever and I was still on medication um I was on tamoxifen you know for five years I just felt like I'd got through it I felt like I'd come out the other side and I was one of those 70 (laughs) percent that would never have their doorstep darkened by cancer ever again. And but unfortunately, you know, seven years, it just came back. It came back. I had a, a reoccurrence and that, and that was like, yeah, another, another ball game for me, another, a different story since that point. Yeah. It was very, it was a, it was a bombshell because I knew, I knew about secondary breast cancer and I knew what, what it meant. And I knew that, my prognosis could mean that I maybe would live for another maybe two to three years, but I'm here to tell the tale. <laughs> Six years post my secondary breast cancer diagnosis, I am here, and I and I intend to be here a lot longer. You know, God willing, and a bit of luck, and a bit of that, this, and a bit of that, and you know, some more drugs on the market to keep me going would be nice more research into secondary breast cancer would be nice yeah so you can tell that I do a lot of ad- advocacy work now for secondary breast cancer yeah so that, that's where I'm at the moment I'm just I'm, I'm you know I'm still on treatment I'm never going to be off treatment not unless there's some sort of like miracle that is bestowed upon me but I know that I'll be on treatment for life it's just a case of just managing the side effects and and hopefully my body won't be too battered too quickly, too soon. And I can still carry yeah. on with the job that I love for a lot longer. Amazing, amazing, amazing. And so so six years, which is just wonderful. And yeah, just, yeah, absolutely wonderful. What is treatment like now for you? Because you said that you'll, you'll always have treatment now what what does that look like Mm, it's hard (laughs) Uh, I'm not gonna lie it's it's difficult and it's it I and the more treatments you have and I I I went through a a stage I think it was like when it was like last year and the year before where I've basically had lots of chemotherapy one after the other so be oral chemotherapy or be it you know, sort of like intravenous. I've had like one after the other and I've had about three or four different types consecutively. And I think having that sort of treatment like that is quite, it can be, it's quite damaging. I'm not, I can't actually lie about that. And I suppose my body has changed quite considerably in what I'm sort of like capable of doing, you know, to a certain extent, you know, and I, and I, I hate to admit this because of what I do, but you know, there are certain things that I just can't do anymore, like I used to be, like I used to. You know, it, and it's hard doing the job that we do. I find it it's so frustrating, and it actually hurts me to even say it that I can't do what I used to, what I used to do beforehand, because it's just so, yeah, it, it quite it can be quite debilitating. You know, there are there are times on my treatment weeks when my fatigue is so bad that I can't even like lift my arms up or, you know, walk up the stairs. You know, it's just so it's awful, you know, sitting in the shower, 
can't even stand up in the shower, I can't even like raise my arms to wash my hair, that sort of thing. It's a horrible thing to have to admit, but that when I if my fatigue is really bad, that's how bad it gets. And yet and and yet the following week I can be up and about and doing stuff and people wouldn't even wouldn't even know that I'm on treatment or I've got or that I've got, you know, breast cancer. It's just so weird. It's like you're so up and down all over the place. So, you know, all, all these years that I've been on treatment, yeah. I've tolerated treatments really well. And I've never sort of like really related to other people saying, oh, you know, my joints really ache or I can't get out of bed or this and that and the other. I've never had that really happen to me. But, you know, just recently with the fatigue, especially when I started this last chemotherapy, the one that I'm on now, the first few cycles were horrendous. And I think it was my body trying to get used to it as well. You know, it's off. Oh my God, you know, can I actually carry on working at some points? I used to actually ask myself that question. And I, I used to be upset. It used to really, really make me upset because I was, I don't want to give up work. It's what's kept me going all this time. You know, I don't want to, I don't want to keep, you know, thinking about that. I just want to carry on working. And if I have to adapt, then I will. Then so be it. But, yeah, so it's got to the point now where I, I you know, I, like I said, I was always one to tolerate treatments and side effects really well. But you know, you, your body just like I'm not superhuman. I'm not like you know, superwoman. You know, I've got I've got red blood like everybody else, like every other human, and I just can't. You know, it's so difficult to sustain a, a, a certain level of fitness and a certain level of like, yeah, I'm just going to keep going because if I do, if I do that, I'm just going to risk not being able to do anything at all so I do have to pace myself you know I do have to like watch what I do and you know I do have like my the cancer is quite widespread now it's in my liver in my lungs it's in my spine in like my cervical my thoracic my lumbar it's in my sacrum my sternum my hips you know it's like I have to be careful (laughs) what I do so um but on the other hand, I have to carry on doing what I'm doing because I know how important it is for me to, you know, to keep strengthening those muscles around my spine, you know, and keep my hip joints strong and, you know, all that stuff and keep my spine lengthened by doing Pilates and all that stuff. I know that it's good for me as well. It's just a case of like, you know, modifying intensity all the time and, yeah. So I don't I hope that makes sense. <laughs> but yeah, no, it, I'm just uh, again just in awe and amazement of just uh, all of you, Mary. And so on the days when there is, you know, uh, because you're you're I'm right. If, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but you have um, treatments three weeks on, one week off. Is that right? Yes, I have treatment two weeks, two weeks consecutively. So two two consecutive Tuesdays and then I have one week off treatment and then I go back to the um back on I'm back on the chemo train. Yeah. So it's the the cycle is three weekly. It's three it's a three week cycle. Yeah. So I basically And how long have you been on the, the current one? Because the current one has been very effective, hasn't it? Yeah, it has. It has been. It's the first one that's been effective for this period of time. So I've been on it since last June. So so prior to that, all the other treatments didn't didn't really work. They might have worked for two, three months, you know, and that that was it really. So there was like a period of time where my progression was quite uh, it was just out of control, really. <laughs> to be honest, it was just it was just like okay, so is this it? Is this it? You know, please let there be something out there that's going to work for me very, very soon. Um, I suppose it's like, you know, it's like people don't really know what it's about. It's like, and I don't blame people because it's just, it's, it's, it, of course it's ignorance, but because people aren't affected by it. So why would they know about it? You know, uh, why would you, you know, unless you educate somebody about something, they're not, they're not going to know about it, are they? They're not going to know. So there's a lot of stuff about secondary cancer that people just aren't aware of. You know, the fact that you're on treatment for life and, you know, 
the fact that, you know, the treatments do stop working. And that's why people end up, you know, dying because the, pe- the, the treatments stop working. And one treat- once all your treatment lines run out, your options have run out. That's it. You know, it's just that there's no there's nowhere else to go. And that's why, you know, I do do the other work that I do, the patient advocacy work that I do, because we need drugs on the market. We need drugs on the market that are going to help me and thousands of others to live longer. <laughs> so, but, you know, just going back to the treatment and how I deal with it is I, I basically, I just, so my work schedule, all my work, is now scheduled it's all it's all in between my treatments my treatment days mm-hmm. my side effect days <laughs> my blood test days my scanning appointments you know my treat my, my it's all it's all basically it all slots in very nicely around this pattern that I now have that I now live with that's how I roll <laughs> I just fit it all in when on the on the really good days and then on the really bad days like the my weekends are my bad days unfortunately um that's how it's all worked out it's how, how you know how, how it works out but uh, on those bad days i know that i can't really do very much but then i thought well, i'll sit and i'll write i want to write a book that's my goal this year so i'll write my blogs you know do bits and pieces that i can do in between the brain fog and the um the forgetfulness and everything else that goes on with fatigue because it's not just about being tired it's very much about being very you know out of it spaced out sleepy it's it's just horrible it's not it's not people think it's just being about exhausted it's not like that at all it's just totally different to just being exhausted and tired Yeah, yeah so but yeah it's just but it works. It works. It's working. The chemo's working. My work schedule's working. It's it's good. It's good. So I say my affirmations every day. You know, Mary's chemo is working, and I've got stuff that I just write down, and I say to myself every day. I do my cold showers to try to <laughs> to try and sort of like reset my immune system if there's such a thing. I don't know, but I just do it because it makes me feel good you know, do stuff like that and, yeah, just do what I can on the sides to complement the con- the conventional medicine that I, that I take. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you're so, you're so right because there, there's just so much, you know, for something that is such a common thing, really, you know, people know of cancer, they know, you know, the effect it has on people and yet there's so much that people don't know and i'm you know i'm also one of those people i don't know that i i don't know fully because i've never been incredibly close to somebody you know who has it or is going you know through um treatments again you, you know i sort of know of it but not not sort of you know super close or super direct and so you you know see listening to you and how you've you know, slotted work around it and that you have a practice for the weekends when, you know, that they are the more difficult times for you. When you talk about, you know, some days it's, it's, it's hard to, you know, wash your hair or it's just harder to, to go about your day. When they're unexpected, or when you don't anticipate that, like say, for example, at the start of this new treatment, like so, so back in June, what is your process for going, okay, this is, this is too much. So I'm going to do this. Like how quickly do you make those decisions for yourself and then act on what it is you're going to do or how you're going to rest or, you know, what is that process? If there is one. Yeah, that's a really, that's a really good question, actually. Yeah, because, and, and you, you've just reminded me, because apart from having the COVID and, and recovering from that, I had all this other stuff going on with the, you know, being off treatment. And then I had the progression because I had a PET scan as well. It showed progression. And that's what, and that's the. I had to change my treatment amidst all of this other stuff that was going on, 
with you know with covid and lockdown and trying to adapt to this new way of working so i had to that yeah that's the other thing that slowed me down because i had to start the new treatment and then i had to figure out what the pattern of side effects were going to be well actually first what what the side effects were going to be but then work out the pattern which is how i sort of like which is what i had to do you know back in 2007 2008 when I had chemotherapy and then I did, although I didn't work, I just tried to keep fit, you know, and do go out and run and do bits and pieces when I was having chemotherapy, uh, you know, at that that time. And it was very similar Mm -hmm. to that last year for me. I just had to, I had to wait for a while, find out what the side effects were, how they were affecting me, find out what the pattern was and then take action and then think right now I know now I know that I can schedule my classes on these days and I can schedule my PT clients you know at these times on these days or whatever and then and that and that's how it worked but there was never any doubt in my mind that I would I would do that but I would I just wanted to do it I just wanted to just yes I'm going to do it this way this is how it's going to work for me and once that was very clear in my mind, then I just got on with it. I just didn't even have to think about it twice. But it's, but the process is actually quite frustrating. That 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 process of trying to think, you're right, okay, so how am I feeling? What am I capable of? You know, can I can I run? Can I can I do this? Can I do that? You know, it's just it's oh, honestly, it's just like, you know, and you think, why am I having to do this? You know, why? you know why is this happening because I just want to there is so much that I want to do and there's so much that I want to plan ahead for and there's uh, you know and that's frustrating Jocelyn it really is and you know it's like and it's even for example you know looking at what you do and the, the, the mentoring stuff that you do I would be on it I would be with you straight away honestly honest to God I really would but it's like I don't know where I'm going to be this time next year. It's like, I don't know. I can't plan ahead that far. It's almost like, you know, but at the same time, I want to plan and I want to do stuff. And it honestly, it's, it's the most frustrating thing in the world It's because I've got so much to, to, that I want to do, but it's hard. It's really difficult because, yeah. It's really difficult, <laughs> and of course I've got to do everything around my around around the chemotherapy, and, and like, you know the treatment days and the side effects and the boring stuff. Where, you know I've got to, I've got to have blood tests. I've got to have my oncology appointments as well, and those I have on the week off, the weeks off my treatment. So my I have blood tests every three weeks. I have oncology appointments every three weeks as well. You know, so when I'm in hospital having my chemotherapy, you know, I'm there for a good couple of hours. And that's actually quite short. Some chemotherapies, you could be there like an entire day or half a day. Yes, it's all it's all very, very sort of like mundane, but very frustrating stuff. And so that that sort of self-assessment piece is, is huge, isn't it? To be able to map out what it is you're you're going to do in terms of again you know energy levels or or simply working around all of the structures that are in place you know for you to live your life and I yeah I I, I can't even comprehend how frustrating that is and I, I can hear it from you know in your voice but how do you plan ahead? How do you think around it? Yeah, I mean, I just, I mean, the God, there was a time when I wouldn't even buy myself any clothes because I thought, am I going to be around? <laughs> What's the point of like buying myself clothes? What's, I'd rather spend the money on my kids, you know. But, you know, I think my outlook has definitely changed over the years. Even with with the secondary breast cancer diagnosis, I know that my life will be sort of like, you know, it will be shortened some extent nowadays I actually do buy myself clothes (laughs) I do and I do sort of like plan ahead I I try to plan ahead uh, with the things I think you know how disruptive 
would it be if I had to cancel that? Or, you know, what difference would it make to my life if I planned this, but then I had to cancel it in six months' time because I've, I've got to change treatment, for example, because that's a real, you know, if you've got to change treatment, that's the other reason why I don't want my treatments to change all the time because it's just like, okay, here we go again. We're starting again from scratch, a whole new process. So, you know, this is the thing. If I'm on being on being being on this intravenous chemotherapy, and it's been good to me, and it hopefully it will still continue to be good to me, you know, I felt a little bit more settled. So I feel like I can sort of like, I can sort of like plan ahead. You know, in it's never a certainty. I'm I don't know what's going to happen next month when I have or when I have my next blood test, but. I don't know what it is it's just having that sort of like that bit of stability gives me a little bit more confidence in what I can and can't do if that sort of like makes sense it's just it's just a weird world it really is it's like the ups and downs you know the all the 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 mental health stuff as well that goes with it I don't know whether I'm after or master sometimes they're just like you know what am I doing but I've just got to I know that I take I take one day at a time one step at a time if I have to you know one hour at a time if I have to but that's the way that I roll I just like just I just look forward I look up I look forward I never look down or behind me it's just like always ahead ahead of myself you know trying to stay ahead not ahead of the cancer but parallel to it I'm running along alongside it you know it's a bastard that I can't I will never beat it it will it will beat me one day but I'm going to stay parallel with it. I'm going to stay, I'm going to run alongside it for as long as I can, you know, and that's why I'm very much into like knowing what I'm, what I'm dealing with and doing my own research. And, you know, I want to know everything about my cancer and what it, what it is about. Um, It's, it empowers me and it gives me some sort of control. And I don't, I don't mean that in a sort of like, in a really sort of like, but it does, it makes me feel better. Yeah, well, it is, it's, it's that information, it's, you know, having that information, knowing every, knowing everything about this thing that is so, you structure your, your whole life around it. Of course, you know, of course it makes sense to know as much as you, you know, can about it. And also, you know, going back to last year, you know, when you had, you know, COVID and you had to come off the treatment and you were, before we started recording, you were saying, you know, you were determined, you know, that you would not go into hospital because you would not be prioritized necessarily because you have, you know, secondary cancer. And you were determined not to go in there and you didn't go in there and you were, you know, off your, your treatment. It's, 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 you know, you put your mind to that thing and it happened and you didn't go in and you recovered from COVID, which has obviously, you know, had devastating, you know, effects worldwide, you know, at this stage. And you did that and your attitude to I will know everything about this thing and I will do everything that I can to educate myself around it, to work with my body at whatever stage it is, whatever it is going through. Like that is it is such an incredible fight. And I, I you know I see your your updates on you know Facebook about tests coming back and markers coming down it's you take so many people with you on this journey it's just incredibly inspirational to see inspiring rather to see just how much you are looking up and looking forward as you say never looking down never looking back because that it doesn't serve and you know that I think the sad thing for me is that everybody would benefit from your outlook of looking forward, looking up, but you 
are doing so because of, you know, where you are. And yet we could all benefit from viewing life in the same way, not taking anything for granted and just, you know, powering ahead and respecting our bodies and respecting every moment and every day, really. It's just, uh, yeah, it's, it's such a, yeah, it's such a beautiful way to be. And yet it's, you have been forced to also be and see the world or, or see life in that way too. So it's, it's incredibly um, uh, powerful and hard to comprehend that at the same time. Yeah. Well, thank you, Jocelyn. <laughs> yeah. It's, um, it's, um, it's, 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 yeah, it's not, it's not easy, but you know, I just try and, I just try and do the best I can with what I've got. Basically. I think, I mean, I do put my, I do put, being you know fit and healthy you know that's kept me in really good stead and I think it's it has made me you know it has made me more more resilient as a person you know I I, you know I don't I the last thing I wanted was was for cancer to define me and you know Mm -hmm. I think a few years ago if you'd asked me that question do you allow it to define you I would have said no but now, but nowadays, I can't, you know, I can't even say that now. It does define me. You know, why, 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 who am I kidding? Of course it does. It's what I'm living with 24-7. You know, I can't get away from it. It has to define me because that's, it's making me the person that I am. Or it's made me the person that I am. You know, I mean, the, the, my traits have always been there, but they've just, they've just literally just been enhanced, magnified. They're, 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 sort of like, they're there for the you know for for everyone to see whereas before they were sort of like hidden away but yeah it's 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 not easy but I just I'm just so thankful for for the, the you know for what I've had and I'm just so thankful that I've I've had my clients to keep me going and you know I've always said they they help me I help them they help me you know it's sort of like it's a mutual thing you know, it's like without them, I wouldn't have much of a focus, really. I think if I had like an office job somewhere, it wouldn't be the same, quite the same effect. So, yeah, I'm, I'm so grateful for what I do. I, find, I, I do. I think it's a blessing. I think it's really kept me in good stead. And it's it's allowed me to adapt over the years and to like work around this thing that I've had to deal with you know, for quite a long time now, you know, since, you know, for 13 years. So, yeah, yeah, <laughs> definitely, definitely, definitely helps. Yeah, exercise and just, yeah, and I'm, and I'm not even like, you know, obsessive about it. it it's just there. It's just, it's just part of me, you know. Well, it always, it always, it always has been, hasn't it, as you say, from, you know, when you were, <laughs> you know, in P or whatever, that you were always the, you know, the sports you want. And no, we just understand through the jobs that we do just, you know, the importance of of movement itself. And it just, you know, I mean, you know, we know that it's, it's why we do, you know, what we do. And so, Mary, with all of the work you do around raising awareness, what does that look like? It basically just like, I mean, I work with, um, you know, breast cancer charities, uh, more recently with with a couple of like secondary breast cancer charities, because I just, yeah, I just really believe in raising awareness about secondary breast cancer. You know, there are lots of people out there, men and women, because men can get diagnosed with breast cancer as well, that don't really know everything about, you know, breast cancer. There are 30% of you know, men and women that will go on to be diagnosed with secondary. And I think there, there's just not enough awareness around that because I think if things are caught earlier, then people have more chance of a better life, you know, better survival rates. And that's not just with primary, it's with secondary as well. And we know, we all know that secondary cancer is what is what kills people. So, hey, come on, let's like, let's talk more about it. Let's not, it's not, let's not, keep it as the elephant in the room 
let's yeah. empower people you know give people the tools and you know ask your oncologist questions you know find out about your what type of cancer you have find out about clinical trials you know don't take for gospel what your oncologist tells you you know you might come across something that he might not know about that he or she might not know about so it's very much so you know it's very much about raising awareness on social media for me and just like getting messages out there yeah that just like and that basically where you know as long as I'm on treatment then I live well and I think that's what a lot of people have this perception that if you have stage four cancer then you're you know then you're that's it your life is over and no, it's not actually <laughs> it's only over when the treatments run out until that point then I am very well I'm alive kicking breathing eating just like the next person so you know the message is like please don't write me off <laughs> and that's really to like all oh, you know all those big pharmaceutical companies that like you know like make it very difficult <laughs> for us to get hold of drugs and the government as well that don't do enough for like you know people like me who just want to live their lives and I want to be able you know how lovely would it be to be pl- to be able to plan ahead and to be able to do the things that I really really want to do when I've got all these like ideas and things and all these things that are in my head but I just can't really just yeah, I could get on with, I could actually try and, you know, whatever, but I don't know, some of the stuff I think, will I be here long enough to actually, you know, make that dream come true? I don't know. We'll see. Watch this space. Oh, Mary, I want you to. I, well, I, I, you know, I'm just like, just go bloody, get, bloody go for it, you know. That's one of the things about the book writing thing. I just want to just, it's, one of, it's been one of my, you know, an ambition of mine for a long long time I never knew what the book was going to be about you know I knew that it might be about health and fitness something like that related to that but now it's just you know it can be a lot a lot more a lot more than that so we'll see we'll see I'll make it meaningful to a lot of people hopefully (laughs) but um oh absolutely absolutely will be and Gosh, you know, you're you're so right. It's about also letting people know that, you know, no matter what stage they are at, they are still living well. And that's just, you know, and your your affirmations that you say are just beautiful. And it's just it's 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 so full of hope. And I just yeah, it's it's wonderful. And I want you to do write the damn book, Mary. Write the damn book. Yeah, you know, yeah, it's, it's, uh, I want to see those things. I want to hear those plans. I want to, you know, yeah, you, you know, you've got to, you've got to, got to, got to, because you are here and you are well. And so, you know, you, you, you have to do it. You've got no choice. I'm, I'm now making that demand <laughs> of you. Yes, that's it. I've made myself accountable to you now. That's, um, yeah. Oh, and, <laughs> Mary, where can people find you, my love? Okay, so, yep. Yeah, so on social media, I'm on Instagram. I spend a lot of time on Instagram. I do, I do like the concept, and there's a really good, you know, fitness community on there. You know, great cancer community as well. So I, I love Instagram for that. But I'm also on, uh, so you can, yeah, on Instagram, it's just very simply Mary Huckle. Um, H-U-C-K-L-E, Huckle, and um, on Facebook, Facebook, I'm there as well. But Breakthrough Fitness is my is my company name, so you can find me there, breakthroughfitness.co.uk is the website. Uh, on Twitter, I'm at, um, at Mary underscore Huckle. So, yeah, you can find me quite easily, really. I <laughs> just like look up Mary Huckle and you can you'll you'll find me somewhere. <laughs> and um She's everywhere. <laughs> my, my name will pop up, <laughs> no doubt. But yeah, so yeah. Yeah, you can yeah, yeah, you can find me. Look me up on Huffington Post. I've written a few articles for them. Yeah. I've got I've written a few articles for them in the past. So I do pop up there as well 
if you search me, search for me. Give Mary a quick Google and you'll find her. Oh, Mary, you are wonderful. Oh, thank um, you, John. Thank you. Um, I love you too <laughs> so oh, much. Bless you, bless I'm so glad that Karen, Karen. Oh, we Lisa, love Karen. We need Karen Lang, an exceptional Pilates teacher as well. I'm going to yes. plug yeah. in there for Karen because she's she's lovely. She's an amazing, amazing lady. She's she's been helping me actually quite a lot as well recently, just by just by being there and being a good friend. I have no doubt. I have no doubt. She's such a beautiful soul. Mary, thank you so much. Thank you so much for sharing everything that you have shared. Again, it's just, I just, you know, sort of sit here in awe and wonder at just, um, yeah, just, just how you take each day. And I just wish you everything with all of your treatments for many, 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 many years to come. I look forward to reading your book, to seeing the projects that you are going to get done because you are and and a continued friendship because you are just a wonderful wonderful person so thank you so very much yeah definitely thank you thank you so much Jocelyn it's been lovely speaking to you and um yeah yeah thank you (laughs) and I'll see you very soon and lord knows when we're allowed to see people in person but for long hugs, but that, that time will come and I'll look forward to it. Yeah. Oh, lots of love, my darling. And we'll speak very soon. Thank you, Jocelyn. Lots of love back. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. Thank you. Thank you.